Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. So, we're here. It's 2021. We've done it. We did it. We made it. We made it through the worst year in recent human history. Certainly according to a lot of people's opinions and according to the general consensus, I think, uh, 2020 was a tough one for everybody. I hope you all had an enjoyable Christmas um, and I'm obliged to say at this point or whatever you celebrate in December, you know, around December 25th, I hope you enjoyed that. Personally, I'm not a Catholic or a Christian, but I do celebrate Christmas. Call me a hypocrite as long as you don't call me late for dinner. Um, but yeah, I hope you had a good end of the year uh, festivity of any sort that you might celebrate. Um, and we're here. It's it's the first episode of Feckin' Metal for 2021. Hopefully the first of many to come. Um, actually, hopefully I'll be doing an episode every single week for 2021. That's the plan. Um, so here I am. I'm sitting in my apartment here and it's the 12th of January. Um, so yeah, we got through it and here we are. I don't have a guest this week, it's just me. I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants here. I've been trying to organise some guests for um, the next few episodes and there are one or two in various stages of, I won't say negotiation, but various stages of organisation and it takes sometimes a while to get people um, to you know, to the point where they, they have a date and they can commit to a date and they're ready to do an interview. So uh, there are interviews coming, fear not. Um, I will return to my old um, and tried and tested format of interviewing people from bands. That's what I plan to do. That's what I set out to do on my last episode, which was released four weeks ago today. It's actually been four weeks without an episode of Feck and Metal. Um, but yeah, that's my plan. I, I do intend to do some interviews in the near future. But this episode is just going to be me. Um, so you're stuck with me now for the next, I don't know how long this is going to be, for the next however long the episode length said it was when you clicked into this episode. How about that? Um, so yeah, um, thank you for joining me on the first episode of 2021. It's great to be back. I did miss this uh, quite a lot. I'm very conscious of pronouncing my THs now, I must say. Um, I'm conscious of it anyway, but um, I, I did a, um, a guest spot on a, on a podcast. I won't say which one it is because it hasn't been released yet. And the host beforehand, before we got to the interview, he was like, I noticed you mention you pronounce your THs sometimes, but other times you don't pronounce them. And I mentioned to him that um, in native Irish Gaelga, or Gaelic as many people say, um, the sound TH does not exist. So I think it's quite difficult for Irish people to pronounce TH because it, it's not in our native tongue. I find it difficult to pr- pronounce my THs and I have to really focus and concentrate on it. And, and sometimes I do and sometimes sometimes I don't. So uh, there you are. There's a little uh, insight into my, um, oh, I don't know, vocal pronunciation, etc. Um, so this episode, I, I want to talk about a few different things. Firstly, I'd just like to say that uh, I really appreciate everybody who's listened to the episodes of Feckin' Metal, but not just Feckin' Metal. Uh, this is part of the Feckin' Checkin' podcast network. We have the Feckin' Checkin', we have Feckin' Metal, and we have Feckin' Football. There are current podcasts on the network. But there's also Two-Faced Fake Snakes, which is the first podcast I ever did with my co-host Toomey. And there's Open Us, which was the follow-on from that. And people have been listening to all different sorts of episodes from all five of those podcasts. Uh, And they've been listening in January when there's been absolutely no new material released. And the network has been doing quite well. And internationally quite well. It's all over the place people are listening. So uh, just like the Flat Earth Society, the Feckin' Checkin' Podcast Network has fans all around the globe. Uh, But yes, uh, in this episode, I would like to discuss some albums that are celebrating an anniversary this year so this is 2021 uh, it seems like we're in the future just saying 
the phrase or saying the year 2021 it seems like so far into the future it's something that uh, seemed so distant so far away a lot of old sci-fi films would have been set around now or even before now uh, the likes of back to the future 2 seem to think that 2015 we'd be flying around the place in cars and um you know making ridiculous pizzas in microwaves and watching nine television channels at once um but yeah it seems like a very futuristic year and it is because well it's the present now but at one point it was the future especially back in 1991 when guns and roses released uh, two albums called use your illusion one and use your illusion two in september of that year on the same day uh, they hadn't released the full studio album since appetite for destruction in, in 1987 they'd released the mini album lies which had the uh, live like a suicide ep tacked onto it as well uh, just an eight song album uh, but only like only four three or four really new songs on that um but by 1991 they they had been working in the studio quite a lot and they released uh one 14 track album and one 16 track album and basically it was 30 new songs dropped on the same day uh, so those, those albums are celebrating their 30th anniversary this year in 2021. Um, a lot of people opine that Use Your Illusion would have been better as a single album and they could have cut some of the uh, fat off that and just released a single album and it would be the greatest rock album of all time, blah, 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 blah. But I don't ever really subscribe to that opinion and I'll tell you why. Because I appreciate all of the songs on Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Uh, I grew up with those albums. I got into Guns N' Roses as one of the first hard rock bands I really ever got into. And because I owned both of those on CD, and I didn't really own many CDs at the time, I listened to them inside out and back to front. Um, or just straight through many times. Maybe it's more accurate about what actually happened. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I know there, there there are weaker songs on them, like uh, Bad Apples, maybe, from Use Your Illusion 1, or My World from Use Your Illusion 2. But I think if you were to cut down both Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2 into a single album, you'd really have to cut a lot of the more epic, longer songs on them, or else you'd be left with an album that contained Don't Cry, Estranged, November Rain, Civil War. I mean, by that point, you've got four ballads or four epics taking up a huge chunk of the album, and um, I, I can't see... I would ever want to cut any of those but then you'd also have to cut maybe the likes of locomotive or pretty tied up people maybe don't rate them as highly as some other songs and then the likes of coma which is a 10 minute long song as well uh, which takes up a lot of space on a cd i don't want to cut any of them i don't want to make a single album out of use your illusion one and two i want to listen to both of them in full for the rest of my life so i'm delighted that those albums were released as is or as was um, and I, I appreciate both of them quite a lot, and they're two of my favourite albums of all time. And just to mark the anniversary of those albums, even though they weren't released until September uh, 2000, or sorry, 1991, I'd still like to play a track from uh, Use Your Illusion 1. And this is not a full track, I'm just going to play a clip of this, but this is called uh, Don't Damn Me, and I think it's one of the better hard rock songs than Use Your Illusion 1. Back to 
Excellent. Okay, so really good stuff there from Guns N' Roses back in 1991, an album now that's celebrating its 30th anniversary. That's Use Your Illusion 1, and that song was called Don't Damn Me. There's some really good lyrics in that. Uh, For me, I think, again, it's maybe Axel speaking to, you know, the likes of the parental advisory people or um, music journalists or the media and things like that and just saying... I'm expressing myself through lyrics and through a song. Don't damn me. I'm not trying to be a role model. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm just being myself. I am what I am. Take me for what I am. Um, and don't damn me because I speak a piece of mind. Uh, so that's the first um, song I would like to play from an album celebrating an anniversary this year. But another album that's celebrating an anniversary is the Black Sabbath album Mob Rules. And I have previously played the song Mob Rules on a previous episode, an earlier episode of Feckin' Metal, uh, and I think that's an excellent song, and it really captures the mood on this album. But I spoke at length about the song Falling Off the Edge of the World, which I think is one of the best Tony Iommi riffs um, halfway into the song, um, one of the best ever riffs he's ever done. And I didn't actually play a clip from that song, so I'm going to play that now. So this is Falling Off the Edge of the World from Black Sabbath. stuff there um i'm i'm a much bigger fan i have to say of the dio era black sabbath i've said this before but dio is just much more of my kind of singer uh, much more melody in his voice i love his his enthusiasm i think ozzy's enthusiasm had faded or waned a bit by technical ecstasy and never say die and i don't think those albums really produce too many memorable songs but by the time we're into heaven and hell and we're into mob rules they were just knocking out classics left and right uh, that that couple of year period there, even leading into Born Again, which I think is quite a good Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath album as well. Uh, I think there's just such a, a lot of good material on those albums. So, yes, that's the 40th anniversary of Mob Rules. Unbelievable. And unbelievable, actually, that uh, three of the people on that album are still alive, given the rate which with which uh, rock musicians are you know, dying, let's be honest. I was going to use a, uh, some kind of euphemism there to cushion the blow, but rock musicians of a certain age, of, from a certain era, are dying thick and fast over the last few years. Um, but Vinnie Apice, Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler are all still alive. Obviously, we lost Ronnie James Dio in 2010. But, um, yeah, a lot of the main players in that are still going. You would wonder down the line, I know Black Sabbath are, have said they're never going to do another show again. You'd wonder down the line, would um, Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler and Vinnie Apice and, and, and maybe some other players, maybe Tony Martin or, or the likes, consider getting together for some type of show or some type of event that celebrates the non-Aussie Black Sabbath albums. Uh, I'm not convinced really that Aussie is going to return to the stage. I, I think he's had so many health issues and so many other problems and setbacks. Um, 
I just don't know if I, I could ever envisage him returning to the stage again at, at this at this point in his life, but I could see Iomi doing it, maybe a short tour. Vinny Apesey, absolutely. He's involved with Last in Line at the moment, uh, amongst other things. Um, and uh, Geezer Butler, again, I think he's, he's involved in a couple of projects currently as well. So I'd love to see some kind of combination of those characters back, obviously, when we can get to live gigs again, whenever that is, maybe 2022. Let's be a bit pessimistic here, maybe realistic. Um, but I'd love to see some kind of combination of those players from the later Sabbath albums uh, doing something together. I think that would be really enjoyable. Um, what else do we have uh, that celebrated an anniversary? Oh, yes, of course. So um, Alice Cooper had two albums released in 1971, both classics, in my opinion. He released Killer uh, and Love It To Death. And those are two of my favourite albums from Alice Cooper uh, not just the original band but from the whole entire Alice Cooper discography um, I got into those albums due to an album by the band Iced Earth so the band Iced Earth released an album called Tribute to the Gods and that was a covers album released in 2001 or sorry 2002 and it featured songs by Iron Maiden, ACDC, Kiss, Blue Oyster Cult and also Dead Babies by Alice Cooper and I remember the liner notes were quite detailed and John Schaefer was going on about how he um, got used to get some free albums because his mother either worked at Atlantic Records or knew somebody who did or it was something like that, some kind of connection with a record label. So he used to be able to go in and pick out some albums. And um, Alice Cooper Killer and Alice Cooper Love It To Death uh, were two albums he certainly had when he was growing up and they were really influential on him. And I had never heard anything really from Alice Cooper other than Poison, I'd say, uh, and the song that was in Wayne's World 2, Feed My Frankenstein. So I didn't really know anything else by Alice Cooper. And when I heard Dead Babies performed by Ice Earth, I, um, I thought it was unbelievable and so dark. And the lyrics, uh, little Betty ate a pound of aspirin. Uh, she got them from the shelf up on the wall. Betty's mommy wasn't there to save her. She didn't hear the little baby fall. I can't remember. Pick a baby fall. Little Betty Fall. I don't know what the lyrics are there. I never quite knew. I actually always thought it said, She didn't hear Pick a Baby Fall. And I don't know why Pick a Baby, but I thought it maybe sounded like some nursery rhyme or something. Anyway, um, you might correct me on what the actual lyrics are there. But uh, this is a clip from Alice Cooper, Dead Babies.
Now, I mentioned iced earth there, and that wasn't by accident. I do want to discuss what happened at uh, the storming of the Capitol building with John Schaefer recently. Um, but uh, I will get to that in a moment. I would like to discuss a couple of more albums that are celebrating their anniversaries in 2021. So looking at my list here, also I have Judas Priest. So Tim Ripper Owens was the vocalist who replaced Rob Halford in Judas Priest, previously of a Judas Priest tribute band this is a story that's well known to everybody who likes heavy metal um and he lasted for two albums there was an album in 1997 called jugulator and then there was a follow-up release in 2001 called demolition and that was the last album that uh, ripper owns did with judas priest but um there's a song on this that i've always liked it's called feed on me and the opening lyrics are uh, they are dying on the dance floor and i remember when i was younger i used to think what a great line. I've often, I've often felt like I'm dying on the dance floor. And I don't mean dying as in physically dying or being murdered or killed. I mean dying a, a slow death because I'm on a dance floor and it's an environment that I feel very uncomfortable in. Um, but in my teens and early 20s, I used to populate a lot of dance floors trying to get my hole, as they say over here. Um, and uh, yeah, I used to feel like I was dying on the dance floor. So, so for when Ripper Owen sings, I, they are dying on the dance floor. I always used to think of um, my own experiences of extreme discomfort and just the unenjoyable nights I'd spent on a dance floor trying to dance. Uh, and I know that's not what the song's about at all, but that's that's the uh, meaning I always took from it. So here's a clip of Feed On Me by Judas Priest from Demolition in 2001. So I mentioned I start there earlier, and I mentioned um, John Schaefer. Obviously, John Schaefer was in the news recently. I had actually sent out feelers to John Schaefer's management recently, uh, a few weeks ago, before all of this kicked off, to see if John would be interested in appearing on an episode of Feckin' Metal for an interview. Uh, they've long, I Start have long been one of my favourite bands. I first got into them when I got that album, Tribute to the Gods, back in 2002. Um, actually, there's a, a story attached to that. It was St. Patrick's Day in Dublin, and I had been drinking, just walking around the city centre with some friends. I would have been about 16 years old at the time. And I'd often seen Iced Earth albums in the rack. Uh, they used to be located quite closely to Iron Maiden albums because of how close they are in the alphabet, obviously. And um, I used to go up and, and kind of pick up the albums. And similar to me, what my friend Kevin and I discussed, and, and I've discussed on other episodes as well, and other podcasts, um, Iron Maiden albums always looked kind of intimidating. You know, you had Eddie there, there were skulls. It was kind of dark imagery, and it took me a while to get around to the point of actually 
picking one up and buying one because of that. And Iced Earth were even more harsh animations. They were darker. They looked more evil, for want of a better word. Uh, the likes of the cover to Tribute to the Gods or Night of the Storm Rider or Burnt Offerings or um, uh, Horror Show or whatever. Uh, the imagery was extremely dark and their mascot, Set Abomine, looked far more menacing than Eddie ever has, I think. Um, and... The, the uh, logo was more angular, more pointy. Uh, it looked more fierce, more violent. Um, and I used to look through their albums because the artwork was, was still very enticing. Uh, it was very colourful. And I used to look through their albums and pick them up and put them right back down again. But on this particular day, on St. Patrick's Day in 2002, I was I walked into HMV, which was open miraculously. HMV on Grafton Street in Dublin was open on St. Patrick's Day. And uh, I walked in, I walked into the Ice Dirt section. I'd been drinking a bit of vodka and some beer. And I walked over to the Ice Dirt section and I picked up Tribute to the Gods. And when I saw that it was a covers album, and I had covers by Iron Maiden and uh, ACDC, and then bands that I didn't know, but, you know, I, I thought, I thought that I would like like Kiss and other bands like that. I picked it up and I was like, right, I'm drunk now. I have the courage to go and buy this, um, and we'll see what we'll see what happens next. So I brought it home, I put it on, and I absolutely loved that album. It had a couple of Kiss songs on it, a couple of Blue Oyster Cult songs on it. I didn't really know any songs by those bands. I didn't even know uh, "Don't Fear the Reaper" by Blue Oyster Cult at that point. It had "Cities on Flame" at Rock and Roll and Burning For You on it as covers. Um, and it had Creatures of the Night by Kiss, it had Highway to Hell, it had The Number of the Beast and Hallow Be Their Name, um, and various other songs, and, and Dead Babies by Alice Cooper, of course, which I played earlier. And these extensive liner notes from John Schaefer. So he talked about growing up and his bond with his sister through music and getting free albums and just being totally immersed in you know the first Black Sabbath album or those early Alice Cooper albums or Iron Maiden when they came out then became his favourite band and he talked so passionately about music and so extensively about how much it influenced him and inspired him I loved the liner notes of that album and I, I, revisited, them, I revisited them again and again and again and it was, it was one of those booklets that I, I don't know a CD booklet back in that era for me in my life was a very important artifact because it gave you information about the band and especially if there were extensive liner notes like that information that you couldn't really get elsewhere nobody was publishing a book on iced earth they didn't really feature too much in magazine articles that i ever saw so the only information i had was the autobiographical account that john Schaefer had written to accompany all of those songs and the introduction he wrote as well um uh, in the booklet as well and um that was so valuable to me because I, I felt I was getting to know the band and I didn't have the internet back then. It, it was available, but I didn't have it. And the resources weren't really there to go and find out about a band. So a, a booklet like that was gold dust to me. Um, I eventually, when I started using the internet in college a couple of years later, we had computer rooms where there was loads of PCs where we could browse the internet, do whatever we wanted in. I mean, they were supposed to be for college work, but this was... Um, my free time in college. So I went in and I looked up uh, a website actually called rateyourmusic.com, which is still around and is a great reference point for looking up discographies of bands, reviews, recommendations, and various other things. I still visit Rate Your Music 16 years 
after I set up my, my account. Um, my account name on there is Professor T, all one word. Uh, if you want to look me up, I don't really update it very often, but you can catalog your music, review music. It'll give you recommendations. You There are message boards. You can interact with other users, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that type of stuff. Really. Great stuff like that. Um, but that was a, a huge resource for me back in, I mean, to be honest, for, for a decade, I... I went on rates your music almost religiously and uh, you can go down through a band's discography and like it, it was just a great learning tool for finding out information about bands which i didn't previously have access to and when i found it i was delighted with it it was it was just perfect for me so i went on and read, read reviews of the various different iced earth albums and one of the ones that was rated most highly was uh, Alive in Athens, which is a three CD album, which was live, where they recorded two nights in Greece. Um, they did two concerts in Greece in '98, I think, and each night they did a completely different set list, which resulted in like a 31 song set, or sorry, a 31 song album from two different sets. And uh, at the time, as well, like I've said on previous episodes, I was I was interested in value for money, so I had the tribute to the Gods album, which didn't contain any original Iced Earth material. Um, and this album gave me 31 songs from the Ice Earth catalogue. Um, and it was maybe, I'd say, I think it was about 25 euro. I have a vague recollection. So I was thinking, okay, 8 euro a CD. I'm getting 30 songs here. This is excellent value for money. So I bought Alive in Athens and ended up loving it. But it was, it was one of those albums that I really took a while to get into because the songs are kind of thrashy, like thrash metal. And I, I didn't listen to too much of that. Um, but there's a lot of melody to, melody to be had there as well. The singer Matt Barlow, who was also on Tribute to the Gods, is such a soulful heavy metal singer. Uh, go and listen to the live version of A Question of Heaven or Melancholy um, or even uh, something heavier. Listen to Pure Evil um, and just listen to how much emotion he gets into each song. And I just found it was it was, it was such a wealth of material. And John Schaefer's uh, rhythm playing is... It's so fast, and when you see it in real life, when, you, when you're when you up close and personal, like right up watching the band, his hand is actually a blur. He plays so fast on the guitar, his his thumb and index finger, where he's holding the plaque, just become an absolute blur, and you can barely see what he's doing. It's so fast. But that's how fast the, uh, chord, the chords were played in, in I Start. Like, it was just ridiculous, but excellent music, and, and uh, they... Became one of my favourite bands after that. And then they changed singer to Tim Ripper Owens, tying in um, something from earlier on in the in the episode. Uh, so Tim Ripper Owens appeared on their next album after Tribute to the Gods, which was The Glorious Burden, which was uh, all about various different parts of history. A lot of it focused on, there was a three-song epic, the Gettysburg Trilogy, which focused on the American Civil War. I learned more about the American Civil War through Iced Earth than anything else in my life. Um, I mean, I live in Ireland, so I don't need to know really about the American Civil War, but I, I learned quite, quite a lot through that. Then there were songs about Napoleon, and there was a song about Valley Forge, and um, there was a song called When the Eagle Cries, which was a response to 9-11, which was a response to, you know, people attacking uh, the United States and being a threat to national security and all that type of stuff, um, and how dare, how dare these people um, attack U.S. soil and all that type of stuff now. Now, um, 
The Capitol building was stormed in Washington recently, which will be a fact familiar to you all because it was all over the news. And if you're like me and you visit heavy metal websites regularly or frequently, I nearly said regularly there, uh, you would have seen John Schaefer's face plastered all over these websites. He was right up the front in one of the photos. He's wearing a distinctive blue hoodie, pointing his finger angrily at uh, something. And uh, he was wearing an Oath Keeper's hat. Some people have pointed out as well. Uh, back to that in a second. But it's unmistakably John Schaefer. I knew that before it was officially confirmed by um, various news outlets. I know his face. I've been looking at it for two decades now. I, I know what he looks like. It's definitely him. And it's it's been confirmed it's him. There's been statements from the band and whatever. Um, but John Schaefer was right up the front of the storming of the Capitol building in Washington, uh, which took place recently. And initially I was disappointed because it's somebody who, while I know he is um, heavily involved in politics and has some opinions that are quite strong, maybe even extreme, and maybe are, uh, you might say, conspiratorial in nature. He he kind of believes in, maybe you might say he believes in some conspiracy theories. Um, I knew all of that about John. He has a a side project called Sons of Liberty, and and those songs are steeped in politics. Uh, The previously mentioned song, When the Eagle Cries, steeped in politics. The Glorious Burden trilogy, uh, sorry, Gettysburg, 1863 trilogy, was steeped in politics. And um, even songs like uh, Ghost of Freedom on, on Horror Show, that song stood out like a sore thumb. Um, it was the only song on the album that wasn't about uh, like a horror character like Dracula or Frankenstein or whatever. So if you go and look at some of those songs and read the lyrics and you're a fan of the band, you will see that they, or John really, because it's his band, it's like a project almost that he's completely in control of. Uh, to use a comparison, he's more of a Steve Harris than Steve Harris ever was. Um, and he said personally that he bases how he runs Iced Earth on how Steve has run Iron Maiden over the years. Um, but I mean, at least 30 people have come and gone from Iced Earth, if not more. John decides who comes and goes. He owns the holding company. He owns the parent company that manages Iced Earth and has done since 1995. It's him. He runs the show. Um, so anything that's political in nature in I Start Music is really John Schaefer's opinion that we're getting and has been for, for decades now um, but so what I was sorry I'm, I'm digressing here what I meant to say was that yes it wasn't a complete surprise because I've read interviews with him about politics and I know he's kind of a political extremist um, so it wasn't too shocking to see that well it, it was shocking to see his photo but then when when you recover from that, it wasn't too shocking to think that a person like him would be the kind of person who might have stormed the Capitol building. Let's put it that way. Um, but what what I'm interested in in finding out is um, what in particular he was protesting. Uh, I had reached out to the management of John Schaefer to see if he'd be interested in appearing on an episode of Feckin' Metal back a few weeks ago. And I didn't get a response. Um, now, if for some reason this interview ever did go ahead, if he doesn't get put in prison or if there are no repercussions and he's still able to do a podcast interview, that interview request still stands. The offer still stands. I'd like to hear from him, but I would like to hear specifically what he was protesting against. Because if you read interviews with John Schaefer where he discusses politics, he doesn't really specify exactly where he stands. Um, he, he kind of speaks in vague terms and what I find with that is that he, he almost could be talking about anything and you can't really verify it with anything he says 
with his answers because he keeps them almost deliberately vague and he doesn't really let you inside his mind enough. And I'm going to just quote an interview here from September 2020. So give me one second here and I'll get it up. So during a Facebook live chat in September 2020, John Schaefer had this to say about where he stands politically, uh, if he was a left or right guy. He said, I'm an American. That's my country. That's where I live. I don't trust my government. I don't give a shit if it's an R or a D next to the name of the person. I try to understand the bigger picture. I've done a lot of reading and a lot of studying. I'm a man of my convictions, and I don't say stuff that I don't truly believe. You can't put your hope into one president or one person or a mayor or a governor or whatever. You've got to be out there and actively put pressure on these people. Let them know you're paying attention. If you're not paying attention, they're going to rob and steal everything. Your freedom too. Not just your money. They're going to steal your fucking freedom because they're a bunch of sick control freaks. Now, that was in September 2020. John Schaefer said that in a Facebook Live chat. So you think, right, well, he's somewhere in the middle, or maybe he is a conservative to a degree, but he is not planting his flag in the Republican camp or the Democrat camp. He's kind of keeping somewhere in the middle or on the outside, maybe, of all of it. Then just to give you a little bit more of a flavor of of where he stands on current issues and current topics, uh, back in July 2020, Schaefer told Metal Sucks, that he didn't believe in the coronavirus pandemic to or he didn't believe in it to be a real threat sorry and he referred to it as the plandemic uh, so he said this i believe this is a psychological warfare campaign on the people more than it is a serious pandemic i think there's a lot more going on than meets the eye here in fact i know this is i mean legitimate doctors and scientists are being banned or censored on youtube constantly it's unbelievable levels of fraud Not saying we don't have a problem, but the human race has faced this kind of thing for millennia. I mean, it just goes on and we don't shut down the global economy. The death and unrest out of these decisions is going to be a thousand times worse than the virus. Um, Then he was asked about spikes in specific parts of the country and he replied, I think that's where we just have to start questioning the data, the way the tests are. I mean, look, the information is out there. Turn off the television. I don't give a shit what network you're listening to. They're lying to you. That's the reality of it. There's no excuse anymore in this day and age for people not to be able to figure out the tyranny we're living under. There's just no excuse. But you need to disconnect from the mainstream media sources. And I'm not saying listen to Fox News because in this country it's Pepsi or Coke. You have two choices. It's a duopoly on mind control and I don't go for either one of those situations. I'm just telling you, man, there's so much evidence out there. And if you understand the game plan of the handlers themselves... Then you'll understand why I wrote things I did in Sons of Liberty, the things that I did on Dystopia and Plagues of Babylon. Um, I read their game plan. I've read their battle plan. I've read their books, so I know what they're up to. It's not rocket science. It's literally about putting pieces of a puzzle together to see what the controllers of our society and what their vision of the future is and how they're going to get to that point. This is just another move in this pandemic. There's a lot to it, but you know, I've done thousands of hours of research. And this is my understanding of the situation. It goes back. This whole movement is being funded by a very small group of people that have very dark designs for the future of humanity and the world. And this is what's happening. It's just clear. It affirms everything I've studied for decades. Right. So there you can see where John Schaefer stands. Can we call him a conspiracy theorist? I think maybe based on those quotes. 
assuming they're accurate. It's from Metal Sucks, so we'd have to just assume they're accurate. Assuming they're accurate, I would say maybe we can call him a, a conspiracy theorist. He um, alludes to a shadow government working in conjunction with one another to uh, defraud the general public, certainly to defraud US citizens, and for a secret, sinister game to be underpinning the pandemic, and not only the pandemic, but maybe world, global politics as a whole. Um, he said he's done thousands of hours of research. So that to me was the one thing that kind of stood out. So, I mean, if you did five hours of research a day and you did what? How many, how many days? You'd have to do 200 days of five hours of research a day to do a thousand hours. Um, you'd have to do 400 days of five hours of research a day to do 2,000 hours. Who knows what he means when he says thousands of hours, but you're talking about hundreds of days of research. How long of his life has he dedicated to this? He's saying to ignore the mainstream media, but he's saying he's read their plans, whoever they are, and their books, whatever books those are. But he never specifies where he reads his information. He doesn't give any sources. He doesn't name any names. He doesn't cite any texts. And he doesn't really clear up anything. It's really sp spoken in broad terms, um, in generalities. And... That's the kind of thing I find hard to get behind with John. It's, it's because he, he says these huge um, sweeping statements about fraud and about them and they and what they're doing and their plan and the sinister nature of it. But he doesn't really clarify who any of the people are, the actors involved are, or, or what he's read that has convinced him so much that it's a conspiracy that he knows for a fact now that what he's read is definitely true and everything else is a lie um so john if you're listening or john's people or whoever if you'd still like to come on feckin metal i'd love to have a chat with you to find out what you believe specifically and what specifically you were uh rebelling against possibly rioting against although that hasn't been clarified yet what you actually got up to why you stormed the capitol building you've said you're not aligned to republicans nor democrats so you didn't really have a dog in the fight so to speak was a political was a political opportunism um did it fit with your political agenda to storm the capitol building but not for the reasons that other people were doing it i'd love to know i i doubt this will ever happen I, I don't know what's going to happen next, really. Um, the last I read, John Schaefer was on the FBI's most wanted list. So I don't know what's going to happen with it. But what a strange and kind of very unusual turn of events in in the heavy metal community there for John Schaefer. Um, he was also uh, interviewed by the German newspaper Die Welt. I don't know if I'm spell, uh, pronouncing that correctly, but it's spelled D-I-E-W-E-L-T. And a lot of quotes have been taken from this interview and they have been uh, quoted out of context. Um, initially, they were misappropriated to an interview that took place on the day the, the capital was stormed. That That's not the case. This was done in November. But also, I'm kind of wary of the video itself because there are a lot of cuts and edits in the video. So I don't know if those are done to reflect poorly on John or what exactly, but... In some cases, you can hear the interviewer's questions. In other cases, you can't. You can clearly see that the video has been edited. But here's the audio from the video that was uh, recorded where John Schaefer was marching in November with uh, people who were um, opposing the current... Uh, I think, what, what were they opposing, actually? Hold on. My name's John Schaefer. I'm from Indiana. 
a group of thugs and criminals hijacked this country a long time ago. Now they're making their big move, and it's not going to happen. And that's what it is. These are globalists. These are the scum of the earth. These are the criminals that are behind all the fraudulent fiat currency. They're behind all the wars. They're behind all the shit. They're behind divide and conquer tactics, behind the racial divide. It's all nonsense. It's all garbage. People need to wake up and snap out of the matrix because they're going down. They've made the move. They're messing with the wrong people here. Trust me on that. And we needed it to be open like this. Open fraud, open theft. Because now we see you and you're going down. Mark my words. Are you expecting some sort of violence? Like, are you expecting to test some other group? If somebody wants to bring violence, I think there's a lot of us here that are ready for it. We don't want that, but if they bring it, we're gonna we're gonna respond to that. Trust me. Okay, so you're prepared for that. Absolutely. I think this goes beyond President Trump. You know, President Trump is a populist. He's not your typical Republican. He's not establishment. He's not going out starting wars all over the place like they do. Which is funny. Where are all the Democrats that were anti-war? There's so much hate for, hatred for Trump. It's just ridiculous. I mean, he's dealing with a, a criminal mafia that has been in the shadows running the world, frankly, for a very long time. They want to destroy all of our sovereignty and bring about global government. We're not having it. We can still do business together. The countries can still be at peace. But we're not going to merge into some globalist communist system. It will not happen. Uh -huh. There so, will be a lot of blood shed if it comes down to that. Trust me, the American people will not go for that bullshit once they understand what's actually happening. So that's where we're at. I mean, I don't. Nobody wants this, but they're they're pushing us to a point where we have no choice. Sorry. Yeah. So. From what I can gather, he was, he was, in November, he was marching, and from what I'm reading, it says he was taking part in another Trump protest. Um, but the the comments there on the video seem to be pro-Trump, so I'm not sure exactly if he was marching to the beat of the same drum as everybody else in that march. I'm not sure exactly, but when he's saying that they will go down, they're messing with the wrong people, believe me, etc., it's not really clear who he's talking about, and, and there's a lack of clarity in his general approach. Um Maybe he doesn't want anyone to know what exactly he's talking about, but then why does he keep granting interviews to um, websites, uh, German newspapers, and doing Facebook live chats? It seems that he does want to get a message out there, but there's so much vagueness and such a lack of clarity in it that it's confusing to me what he's what he's up to and why he's doing it exactly. Um, and maybe he doesn't need to answer to me. He doesn't really, but... He seems to want to. He seems to want to let people know, but he's not really letting them know what, what he's saying. Um, and his actions are very confusing to me. Um, anyway, um, so naturally people wanted to know what Ice Earth thought of all this. Uh, Stu Block, the current singer of Ice Earth, he's been there for maybe uh, 10 years now anyway at least. Um, he reacted to it initially on Facebook. Yeah, so Stu said initially, Oh, it's happening. History in the making. Sending love to my friends in the US and all over the world. And then when a follower asked if he was condemning what happened, Block responded, And where in my statement would you get that impression? Now, um, he has since clarified, clarified his position on this uh, he, and said he does not condone 
or support any acts of violence or anything else that any protester or rioter was involved in on January the 6th. Uh, he wrote on Facebook, I, I want to thank everyone for the amazing support you've shown. Unfortunately, it's come to my attention in recent days about a screenshot somebody made. There were some very obsessive and hateful people posting in the screenshot that I did have to remove from my social media. I do want to extend my apologies for the poor way I worded two Facebook posts, posts on the 6th of January. I'm human and I make mistakes. My wording was absolutely misunderstood and not properly thought out on my part and I know people and media can interpret things differently. At that moment I saw a, a historical thing happening that perhaps would cause divide amongst people everywhere so I sent love out to everyone as well. I quickly took down the post after I realised that the post I put up with good intentions to encourage discussion about what was happening at that moment was severely misinterpreted by some. This was all happening before I found out about the horrible line that was crossed that day by prote protesters. I also carelessly misread a comment someone posted on my official face Facebook page and I replied incorrectly and for that I am sorry. I was in the heat of the moment. In the post, the commenter said, are you condemning what happened today, Stu? I replied, and where in my statement would you get that impression? In the craziness of responding to many comments, some very hateful in nature, which were also condemning, or which were also coming at me in rapid fire, I read the word as condoning, which I do not. So he's clarified his position there. Somebody had asked him, are you condemning? He thought they said condoning, and he misread it, and he said, and where in my post would you see that I was condoning? So him and all the other members of Ice Earth have recently come out and said they don't support what happened or the actions of anyone that stormed the Capitol building. So it's a very interesting situation that's unfolding. Is it the end of Ice Earth? I would say quite probably. I know it's John's band, but that leaves four other band members without a band, realistically. Uh... The Demons and Wizards album that came out in 2023 with uh, Hansai Kirsch. Um, he's come out since Hansai. I'm not sure if that, I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he has said that he is shocked by what's happened as well. And it was completely taken aback by it all. Um, and then you've got, um, what else? Well, Sons of Liberty, I suppose, is just another side project by John. Uh, but you've also got the Schaefer Barlow project, which featured original singer Matt Barlow of Iced Earth. And John Schaefer released a, a Christmas album there. Um, late last year um, and, and personally I was hoping that that might lead to, to better things and bigger things for the two of them but it seems like it won't because um, because how can anything happen after any of this I don't know maybe it'll become yesterday's news within six months the world is a strange place you can come out and you can say things and I don't know I, I think the general public can forgive and forget quite easily um if there's money to be made as well sometimes people brush things under the carpet but then society has changed quite drastically in, in recent years as well with various different scandals that have gone on in hollywood and some in music um some in television um where people are, are essentially written off for their actions sometimes rightly so sometimes not rightly so um i'll leave it up to you to decide whether john schaefer's action, actions should make him um be written off from music. Uh, I'll leave that to you to decide. Uh, finally, I just wanted to mention uh, something that Tim Ripper Owens has said. So Tim Ripper Owens was a former singer of Ice Earth. He was on the Glorious Burden album, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and what did Tim have to say? So Tim was asked on Facebook by a fan uh, what he thought of all of this, because everybody's asking everybody, obviously, what they think of all this. Um, Somebody said to Tim what it's like, what it was like working with a terrorist. These are the fans' words, not mine. And uh, Owen said, crazy what he did wasn't if. 
Now, this, this is an exact quote, right? Crazy what he did wasn't if. I assume he meant to say wasn't it. Uh, all I can say is wow. See, we never talked politics while I was in Ice Earth because at that time we were on totally opposite sides, lol. But I gotta say, could have been way worse for me. I could have been in a band with Sebastian Bach. So he's taking a dig at Sebastian Bach there. Um, so when, when the fan expressed his incredulity, so this is from blabbermouth.net, by the way, when the fan expressed his incredulity over the fact that Owens and Schaefer had never talked politics, especially considering the fact that Tim's first album with Iced Earth, The Glorious Burden, was a concept album exploring various moments in military history, the ex-Judas Priest frontman replied, yeah, that was more of history, and I actually learned a lot more than I did in school. Talking about politics at the time wasn't something I would get into. Opposite sides of the fence I was working. I got fired anyways, so it didn't matter, haha. <laughs> so, he mentions there, I'm guessing, that him and John at the time were on opposite sides of the fence. And it's interesting because John Schaefer has said himself that he has changed his political opinions and allegiances and beliefs over the years, m- multiple times based on research. And I'm guessing that at the time, John may have been a Democrat or more a democratically leaning person because Tim Owens is a staunch Republican. Anyone who follows him on Facebook um, can see that in his posts. It's it's blatantly obvious. And he doesn't strike me as somebody who has recently turned into a Republican. He strikes me as somebody who has held those beliefs for a very long time. Um, so it seems back at the time, Tim Owens or Ripper Owens wouldn't discuss politics with John because John was on the opposite side of the fence to a Republican, which would allude to the fact that he was more of a democratic-leaning person. Anyway, I just find it interesting. So John himself admits that he's changed his beliefs over the years. uh, And then the the final thing I wanted to to discuss is uh, the Oath Keeper's hat that he was wearing. So um, he was wearing a hat from the militia group called Oath Keepers. So these were one of the few militia groups that showed up on the day. Another one was Proud Boys, and uh, there was another one as well. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, yeah, but the Oath Keepers are basically uh, an anti-government militia organization. Um, they describe themselves as non-partisan. Uh, they are comprised of current and former military, police, first responders, and they pledge to fulfill the oath that all military and police take in order to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now, I mean, look, I'll let you do your own research on Oath Keepers, but they've been involved in some events um that don't paint them paint them in the best light, really. Uh, there have been links to um, white supremacy kind of beliefs or leanings, and they have appeared at events that don't necessarily uh, agree with what John was saying about you know the current regime causing the racial divide. From what I can gather from researching Oath Keepers, they have they have chosen a side of the racial divide. Uh, at least once in in by their actions um so i don't know you can look into them yourself as well but what we're left with right basically is john schaefer is a, a criminal in the eyes of the law he is on the fbi's most wanted list uh his band have dissociated from him um hansai kirsch has dissociated from him and uh God knows what Matt Barlow thinks, but he hasn't said anything to anyone at the at the moment. Um, so that's a serious mess uh, that everything is in right now. Um, and it's one of those situations now where I, as a fan of Ice Dirt, I've had to do this a lot recently, is you really have to try and separate the art from the artist, don't you? Uh, because 
I was only as recently as a couple of weeks ago playing songs from Alive in Athens and playing songs from The Glorious Burden and realising how much I loved the band and hoping that I got to see them again and hoping that I could interview John Schaefer. Um, I, I saw them in 2012 and 2014. They played in Dublin. They played in a small venue. I was able to go right up close. Uh, as I said, I saw John Schaefer's hand just blurred with how fast it was playing the guitar. Um, Stu Block put in a good performance singing the songs of not only Matt Barlow, but uh, John Greeley, Gene Adam, uh, Ripper Owens, everybody who's been in the band before him, um, and songs from his own albums as well. And uh, God, they seem to be doing so well. They seem to be kind of on a roll. They had uh, Plagues of Babylon, Dystopia, or sorry, Dystopia was out first, Plagues of Babylon, um, and then the most recent album, uh, God, the name escapes me now, but I had that song Clear the Way on it. Um John was out there. He was doing stuff with Demons and Wizards. He still had Sons of Liberty kind of on the back burner. He was doing the Schaefer Barlow project. There seemed to be so much creativity. Um, and now, maybe it's all gone. Uh, will I be able to listen to Iced Earth music the same again? I don't know. I, I hope so. But it's one of those things where you have to separate the art from the artist. Because I don't really agree with what he's done. But I would like to hear him explain what he's done and why he did it. Um, so that would be be interesting if he does publicly speak on it at some point. I'd, I'd like to hear it. Anyway, looking ahead on a more positive and uplifting note, uh, into 2021 we have a lot of new albums coming up. Uh, some I'm looking forward to are the new album from a Los Angeles band called Sabre. So they had an EP out in 2020 um, and that was actually... Uh, just a two-track EP. I'm just bringing it up here in front of me one second here. Uh, two-track EP called uh, Strike of the Witch. So there was just two songs on that one. It's available on the new wave of traditional heavy metal uh, YouTube page. You can see it there. Uh, there's just two tracks on it. Um, but I quite liked that. I thought it was quite promising. And then uh, early this year, then they released their actual full, uh, full-length uh, album, which is called Without Warning. I have yet to listen to it. So I'm still looking forward to listening to it, but I have purchased it. I purchased it on Bandcamp. Um, Trevor William Church produced that one, and uh, not the EP, but the full album. So it's called Without Warning. It was released earlier this year, and uh, it's a four-piece, I believe, from Los Angeles. Um, traditional heavy metal, uh, or sorry, a five-piece uh, from Los Angeles. Traditional heavy metal sounding band. Uh, singer has quite high-pitched vocals. I found them difficult to get into at first, but I warmed to them uh, after multiple listens. Um, and uh, yeah, so Trevor William Church is drumming there on that and produced that one. So interested in that, as I am with pretty much anything Trevor's involved in. He's just, I won't say everything he touches turns to gold, but everything he touches um, becomes a lot more interesting. And uh, it just, it, it lifts everything a bit. Like he lifted Oath, I think, with the with the Computer Warrior album, certainly. Um, and yeah, uh, his own stuff has, has just improved album on album. Um, so that's something I'm looking forward to. I haven't listened to it yet. I'll, I'll fill you in uh, maybe next week when I have listened to it. There's a new Seven Sisters album coming as well. Uh, back on an early episode, back in September, I think, Kyle McNeil was my first guest. Uh, well, I say my first guest. My first week was my friend Kevin, who I don't consider a guest. It was just a chat between two friends. But uh, Kyle McNeil was my first guest from a band, let's say. Um, and he was speaking about the new Seven, Sis Seven Sisters album as far back as then. 
Uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing that whenever it's released. Um, he mentioned they've done the mixing and everything recently, so uh, hopefully within the next couple of months we'll see a new Seven Sisters album. Uh, and then there's actually a new Alice Cooper album on the way as well, Detroit Stories. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. What I'm also looking forward to is bringing you some new interviews uh, which I intend to do. Uh, hopefully I'll have some news in that regard soon. Keep up with me on Twitter. It's at Feckin' Metalcast. If you'd like to follow the Feckin' Checkin' podcast network on Facebook, it's uh, at Feckin' Checkin' on Facebook. And you can contact me via email. It's feckinmetal at gmail.com. I know this episode was a lot more serious than uh, normal episodes are, but I wanted to discuss all that because, one, I find it interesting. Two, it's very newsworthy and topical. And three, I start are one of my favourite bands, uh, one of my favourite heavy metal bands and have been for a long time. And I felt the need to, to talk about it all. Uh, I felt the need to get it off my chest and just put it out there. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you come back. I hope you return. Uh, this is going to do it for episode 16 of Feckin' Metal. Hopefully I'll have some news for you soon. Keep an eye on Twitter. I will see you next week. Thank you for listening.